Blog Talk Radio. Presents 
and Blog Talk Radio Networks. Now I'm your host, the Visible One himself, Thomas Dwayne Smith. And this is a show where you know that we're not politically correct, we're just correct politically. And we always come down on the right side of the issues. And as for the Christians Unleashed, one thing you have to know, that our politics does not define our faith in Jesus Christ. But our faith in Jesus Christ defines our politics. So there you go. I'm going to jump right into the headlines because we got an exciting show and I'm looking forward to our part two of our interview with this gentleman. Very, very good guy. Great man of, just great man of faith and dedication. So let me just jump right into the headlines. (laughs) And wouldn't you know, I'm going to start with a little irony. As you know that Governor Scott Walker is up for re-election up in Wisconsin, and the Democratic challenger is from the family that's the largest manufacturers of bicycles in the United States. So let's just get right to the headlines, and that'll say it all. Wisconsin Democrats' bike business hasn't paid state income taxes for three decades. The family bicycle business of Wisconsin Democratic gubernatorial candidate Mary Burke has not paid state income taxes for more than three decades. Burke's father co-founded Trek Bicycle in 1976 out of a red pole barn in Waterloo, Wisconsin. The company grew to become the largest bike manufacturer in the United States and has been pivotal to Mary Burke's case in her effort to oust Governor Scott Walker. Burke mentions her role at Trek in nearly every campaign appearance as head of strategic planning for Trek. Burke also forecasts... see. Burke also forecasts focused every single day on improving the company's bottom line, according to our campaign website, has sales of roughly $900 million. However, according to records from the Wisconsin Department of Revenue obtained by Fox 6 in Milwaukee, Trek Bicycle has not paid net income taxes since at least 1982. Wow. Fox 6 reported that the Burke campaign doesn't want to talk about the camp company's records on taxes. Hmm, I wonder why. (laughs) That's, as you guys can tell, there goes your typical Democratic strategy of raising taxes on everybody else while illegally looking for every way possible to not pay their taxes. I mean, it just came out today Um, Former Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner actually revealed in his book that (laughs) the White House wanted him to lie, or then the truth, as they say. So there you have it. Let's see. Next headline. This is just crazy. Oh, this is good. The administration 
frees thousands of convicted criminals while waiting deportation proceedings. The Obama administration released thousands of convicted criminals, including murderers and those convicted of sexual assault while they were awaiting deportation proceedings, according to a new report. The Center for Immigration Studies, a Washington-based advocacy group on Monday, in its latest bid to draw attention to what analysts with the organization say are lax enforcement practices by the Obama administration. The numbers showed that in 2013, Immigration and Custom Enforcement released 36,007 convicted criminal aliens while they were awaiting the outcome of their deportation cases. They represented a total of 88,000 convictions. The majority of the cases involved individuals convicted on lower level or nonviolent offenses like auto thefts, drunk driving, and drug charges. But many were involved in more serious cases. According to the report, 88, the 88,000 convictions included 193 homicide convictions, 426 sexual assault convictions, 300 kidnapping convictions, more than 1,000 aggravated assault convictions. Jessica Vaughn, the group's director of policy studies, said in a statement, he was astonished by the figures, referring to an ongoing Department of Homeland Security review of deportation policy. He said any any further relaxation of enforcement would be hard to justify in light of the statistics. Congress should resist further action on immigration reform until the public can be assured that enforcement is more robust and that ICE can better deal with this criminal alien caseload without setting them free in our communities, she added. The individuals in question were reportedly released on bonds or parole or under various other alternatives to detention while awaiting processes. The same organization that published this data put out a separate report more than a month ago that showed ICE agents were opting not to deport thousands of criminal aliens. These are separate from the cases detailed in the latest study. According to that prior report, ICE released 68,000 foreign nationals in 2013 who, were, who either had criminal convictions or charges against them. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, though, accused CIS of distorting the numbers and claimed that some of them could represent minor offenses. Further, the agency said a total of 216,000 convicted criminals were removed in 2013. Ooh. So that's kind of interesting because if you think about that in light of everything else that's going on, man... That's not good, but as we as we all as we already all know, this administration hates everything about this country, and they could care less about our American citizens 
being protected. She would much rather call an individual who got drafted in the 246th in the um, NFL draft because he kissed his boyfriend on television. Big whoop. Big whoop. But while um, four Americans' lives were taken, what is it now, two years ago now, September 11th, to be about two years. And it's no big deal. What does it matter? Dude, that was so long ago, or however it was that that idiot from the state to State Department put it. Callous disregard for the lives of other people, even though Ambassador Stevens was over there doing things at the behest of the uh, State Department. And let's just put it like this. When said information comes out, what was really going on? Let's just say it'll make the Iran-Contra hearing look like a Kate Wall. Everybody still looks at, looks back to Watergate as the watershed scandal in the history of presidential administration. Well, hate to disappoint you, bleeding hearts, but... um. This current president blew those scandals, that scandal specifically, out of the water a long time ago. This individual makes uh, Bill Clinton look like the Pope. I wouldn't go that far because at least the Pope has some standards. Bill Clinton doesn't have any standards, so I apologize for that comment. And yet, he gets to get away with it because of the color of his skin. Folks, I myself happen to be a part of a demographic that for all intents and purposes is extinct. The vibrancy of the black community it's done. The Democrats did everything that they wanted to do. Think it's a coincidence while they are shifting away from the black community to the Hispanic community. One could only hope that the Hispanic community will be a lot more smarter than my community was. 
And the, the interesting thing about it thing about it. People will still be believing in this organization as they're being led away in chains. There's an old saying that those who forget history, they're doomed to repeat. And folks, this is an exact parallel of how Nazi Germany rose to power. And contrary to what liberals might try to say, Nazi Germany, Nazis were not right wing. They were not conservative. But the low-informed voter, the uneducated folks, they wouldn't know that because they never bothered to do their homework. And then people want to know, why don't the conditions change within my community? They don't change because people don't want them to change. They're not willing to make the tough decisions required for them to change. I'll give you a major example. Nobody wants to help the cops with an investigation until it's one of their own family members. Oh, Pookie was such a good kid. But Pookie was in the 187 Hoover Crips. Got caught up in a gang war. And suddenly folks want to cry for justice. But if you notice, it falls on deaf ears in the mainstream media because black-on-black crime would go against the agenda. To report on black-on-black crime, it would go against the agenda of the mainstream media. (laughs) Excuse me. Excuse me. Because it's only when Why don't black cry? That's the big story. Kids are racist. It's crazy. The mainstream media, so biased with the left-leaning viewpoint, and the left-leaning viewpoint in and of itself serves to isolate, divide, and do a whole bunch of other things.
So, it is what it is. It is what it is, folks. My heart. So much division. And you know what my heart really breaks for? The thousands of white men and women who willingly lay down their lives to help the black race obtain freedom. lay down their lives so that the black community could have freedom. But yet those who were complicit in keeping the black man in slavery is now are now the very ones that the black community so willingly align themselves with, so willingly feed off, feed from the trough of the liberal life. Here's something to think about. Why are not, why aren't black people involved in the choosing of the candidates in a democratic party. We are when we vote. That's not when the decisions are made. Local and state precinct levels are where the the candidates are chosen. Kind of interesting that in the Republican Party, Black people have been involved at every level of the decision-making process when it can, when it comes, and when it came to choosing candidates. But yet, somehow, the Republican Party is racist against black people. Just because someone does not want to get yelled at, cussed out for being a Republican doesn't mean they're racist. That means they're sick and tired of being blasted because of who they associate with. There's a difference. Because it works two ways. If you don't care enough to try to listen to the message, they don't care enough to try to reach you. Two rights don't make a wrong but it is what it is. And that's the headlines and the commentary. I'm going to take a short break, and we'll be back on the other side with uh, Jack Cashel. Hello, America. This is the other bill for America. I'm the guy with the sign on my truck. 
Now, I'm not hiring until Obama's gone. That is strictly a prediction because he is destroying our economy. But, as promised, I promised a few Patriot friends on Facebook that I would post a video that um, would bring to light the last phone call I got last night at 11.16 p.m. my time here on the Eastern Seaboard of one of my new liberal friends from Wisconsin. He says his name is John. And I got to call my uh, uh, voicemail to be able to retrieve this message and allow you to hear it. It's impressive for somebody of sub intellectual character. Yeah. Bear with me on this video thing. It's new to me. And I got to uh, fine tune fine tune it as best I can and get one. Here's that. Yeah, my name is John. I was uh, wondering if you guys were hiring yet. Entertaining, huh? The Muslim's still in office, I guess. Come you on. You piece of shit. Pick up the pace, John. Soon I'll be standing right behind you. Ooh. Fear. See you fucking that. loser. You're, you're fucking part of the reason why this fucking country is the way, the way it is. Yada, yada, yada. Well, John, I want to thank you for your contribution. And uh, I have posted on Facebook, if anybody wants to contact him and let him know that they are in support of him, or maybe discuss his feelings for my terrible capitalist beliefs, please, please don't hesitate to do so. But uh, I will be posting this video shortly. And uh, God bless all patriots, Semper Fi Marines. Now, I'm a little busy, so i got to get to work. I'll talk to you later. You have a blessed day. And welcome back to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, the Visible One himself. So I just got off the phone with my guest. Um, Jack Cashel, he he actually had it scheduled for 6 instead of the 6.30 because, as you know, I always do my commentary for, uh, for 30 minutes, but because of the miscommunication. So we're going to do his show tomorrow. So I'm just going to invite Vincent and Di- Lady Diana to call in, and we'll just have a little powwow session for the next um, 30, 45 minutes, and we'll go from there. So if not, I'll continue with my commentary. And anyway, while I wait for Vincent or uh, Miss Diana to call in, back to what I was saying. You know, we talk about pride in ourselves, love of country. But the truth of the matter is this. We have to ask ourselves this question. Do we really love ourselves? Because I hear all the time 
that, I hear people say, I hate this country. And my question to those who say those things, why are you here? Why are you here if you hate this nation? I can answer that question for them. Say here because they want to take advantage of the opportunities that they are afforded. But at the same time, they don't want to be a part of helping build up this great nation, assimilating themselves into the fabric of this nation, learning the language, and fully contributing the way they should. Everybody has the potential to be great if that's what they so choose to do. Sometimes, sometimes people are physically limited in what they could do through no fault of their own. Or sometimes accidents happen. But what it boils down to this, folks, this is what I'm saying. You have to take pride. You have to be proud of you have to be proud of who you are because if you're not proud of who you are, then what What do you have left? Nothing. Tired of all the division, all the animosity, all the stuff that creeps up that... that hinders us from being what we can be. So I'm waiting for Lady Di or Vincent to call in. I am going to talk about some more headlines. Hmm. GOP candidate booted from editorial meeting after calling out blah, blah, this. A Republican Senate candidate was kicked out of a local Oregon newspaper's editorial board meeting after daring to challenge a reporter who dissed a fellow candidate by writing blah, blah, blah in his notes instead of her actual quotes. The entire argument was captured on video and posted online by the newspaper Willamette Week. The Republican candidate, Mark Callahan, told Fox News that the newspaper was on a power trip. It's a fairly liberal paper, and they were basically trying to manhandle 
us Republicans, Callahan said Sunday. They were very condescending, very controlling. The video shows an editorial board meeting where the newspaper were interviewing Republican candidates for Senate. One of those candidates, Joe Ray Perkins, was responding to a question over the phone when Callahan noticed something was amiss. You want to talk about disrespect? I see what you're writing down there, he said, pointing at a reporter at the table. You just wrote down blah, 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 blah for everything that Joe Ray said. Joe Ray is a respectable woman. Why are you not respecting her by writing? Why are you not respecting her by by writing blah, 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 blah on your notepad? The moderator tried to get Callahan to move on or answer a question about whether climate change is a myth or reality. Callahan said myth. Then the same reporter later identified by the newspaper as Nigel Jacquees asked him a follow-up. Where are you on the Easter bony? What's that Callahan said? And the report reporter repeated the question. The interview really went downhill from there. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer, Callahan said? How about you ask a very serious and respectful question instead of asking a little childish question? The two sides continued to argue, and the moderator warned him he'd be asked to leave if they don't move on, noting that he had two strikes. Who do you think you are? Callahan asked. Okay, you may leave now, the moderator said. Go ahead. You're done here. Callahan then accused them of being disrespectful, thin-skinned liberals. Someone else in the room said, there's the door walking out. Callahan told them he had better things to do with my time. The newspaper issued its own take on what happened after the video started to get attention online. The newspaper wrote, our goal is not to provide equal time to all candidates, but to explore questions that we think matter most to our readers. Not everyone likes to follow the rules, and on rare occasions we have asked candidates to leave the endorsement interview. That's that's what happened when Callahan came to our office. As for what touched off the arguments, the newspaper said Jacquees was wiring, blah, 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 when Perkins, who was supposed to be talking about health care, was instead talking about eliminating the U.S. Forest Service. Well, that's interesting. Well, there you have it. Liberals are very disrespectful. If you don't toe the party lie, they disrespect you and they talk crazy to you. But like I said earlier, when the crap hits the fan, you know where they'll be. They'll be the very little cowards in the whole hide. Because if <laughs> if they think they're safe from being turned on, 
the media is being used. Because if you go back and look at your history during the rise of Nazi Germany, they destroyed most of the mainstream media, even those who supported them. The greatest country in the world full of the stupidest people walking this planet. Everybody else is is uh, uh, very well aware of what's going on. But you have your low-informed, uneducated voters who have no clue about nothing. Or they say it's of no importance to them. <laughs> I wonder if they will be singing that same song when folks are being led to slaughter. Because I'm going to tell you something point blank. The Democratic Party, if the the opportunity presents itself, the very first people that they're going to slaughter are the black people. They're going to come after us. But you know what? There's going to be some of us who are going to break off a foot in their butts, point blank, so let them come. Now, having said that, I am going to bring on a very dear friend, Sadie Diana. She's probably haven't heard me do commentary like this ever, but, you know, you got to define everything. Hey, stranger, how are you? Welcome to Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents. Hi there, Thomas. How are you? I am doing well. How are you doing? I'm uh, sitting here in Texas in the middle of a severe thunderstorm. Well, our severe weather hasn't reached us yet, but, you know, it's all good. Yeah, we need the rain. Yeah, rain is good. So what do you think of so what do you think of my commentary so far? I thought it was good. I really did because I had watched the YouTube video as you know it went viral. Mhm. And uh I I shared it a lot so that people could see the truth, not what the lame stream media is doing um conservatives are are you know they're kind of uh the stepchild all around anyway right um it doesn't matter what color you are what race you are what gender you are if you're not pro-abortion if you're not uh Pro KKK, if you're not pro homosexual, if you're not uh, homosexual, then you do not, you know, your opinion is of no worth whatsoever. I I gave up on my opinion a long time ago. God knows my opinion. Right. Let's, um, Let's talk about that for a minute. You know, these people who take these extreme views like that, that's being used used by those on the left. Right. Who who do they think the left is going to eliminate first? Because they pose the next 
those individuals pose an ex, expo, uh, exponential threat to them. I didn't study in the book of Daniel uh, on my own, trying to connect the dots. That that was thunder. Sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, no yeah, we got a we got a big 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 storm here, but I'm okay. I'm under God's roof. Um, the the thing is, Thomas, um, it, it it doesn't matter anymore uh, if you're black, white, pink, or blue. I mean, it just it doesn't matter. That's not. That's not really the issue. Uh, The issue is whether or not you're a Christian. Here, um, you're you're right to a point. And I'll explain to you why you're right to a point. You're you're black and I'm not black. No, no, no. no, That's all I can say because I'm certainly not white. I'm not an albino. Right. But listen to what I'm saying, though. This is what I mean. You have to you have to understand the the Democratic Party the Democratic Party deliberately set out and it was a grand experiment to see if they could render the black community obsolete. They succeeded. That is, that has to be, that has to be pointed out. Because if it's not, you know, that, you know, that in and of itself is a problem. Because that was their whole purpose. When 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 we got our freedom and they were angry about that, what did they next set out to do? Well, let's see if we can let's see if we can um deceive them. And what did they do? They did. And now you have the reason why the reason why they're basically you know, they start they thrown us under the bus. That's why they're going after the um <coughs> Hispanic vote because it worked. It worked in eliminating one group. They want to see if they can eliminate another group. But all I can say is good luck with that. Go ahead. I think we all know. Those of us who are are Christians in the true sense of the word, meaning we follow Jesus and his teachings, um, we're the ones, I mean, we've been told all through God's word, all through the New Testament especially, that Christians are the church. The church right. is not a building. It is not a place that, that's all fancy glass and 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 
you know, that's a place for man to glorify man. My church is me, God, my Bible, and maybe a friend or two who sit down and learn together. Because okay. I so I see no what? point I see no point in you know, my tithing goes to people who are in need. Right. So I I I tithe. I give I give more than usually ten percent of I'm on a fixed income. But I give it to people in need, which right. is what Jesus tells me to do. He doesn't tell yeah. me to give it to some building that needs new carpeting or new church pews. You know, I let them have a bake sale for that. But right. what 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 I have discovered about our our administration. Um is that it's it's not a it's not a black and white situation at all. Um, although Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, our president, um, keep constantly calling anybody that doesn't like the man uh, a racist. Well, the last thing I am is a racist. Because I know that God doesn't see color. God sees your spirit and your heart. What they're trying to do, Thomas, is to get us all in an uproar so that we're fighting with each other. And if we're fighting with each other, then they can declare martial law. But I think one thing they've overlooked is that Islam really doesn't care who you are if you're not of Islam. Kill you, and it doesn't matter what color you are. And they can bring all of them in here and set them up to get rid of whatever they think they want to get rid of next. But what they don't understand that unless they're Muslim themselves, they're going to get their heads chopped off. Right. Right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I've done a lot of studying of this, and there's there's a pattern developing. And, you know, there's, there's seven wars before... Before Jesus reigns, actually there's six before Jesus will reign for a thousand years. And the first one is Russia, Magog and Magog. That's Russia against the Muslims. Uh, The second one is Russia against Israel. The Muslims are going to fight Israel. Russia's going to fight the Muslims, because he hates Muslims and he hates Jews. So he's going to be the, there's actually going to be two God versus Magog wars. 
right. the last the last war is the heavenly war. The one between God and Satan. So, you know, and they, they can talk war all they want to. But, you know, my God gave me a book, a manual to live by. Right. And I read that manual. I study that manual. And God loves us all. He loves all of us. He he doesn't want us to perish. And yet today, this country is no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it's it's no better. I'm just, I am increasingly surprised at my Heavenly Father's uh, patience. What do you think, what do you think is causing them to have patience? Whoa, wait a minute. One thing. That was pretty close. Okay, now what was your question? Um, what the um uh, uh why do you, why do you think God is having patience with this nation? Uh, because I think it was founded initially by the pilgrims who right. came here for religious freedom. They did not steal this land from the Indians as when the anti as when the colonialists did. The founding fathers actually just took the land from the Indians. You want to hear a funny little story about uh, that Bunkerville, that uh, Bundy Ranch down in Nevada? But do before you, you go you know? on, I'm. I'll... Before you before you share that something I want I want to I want to share with you because this is this is very very important for people to to understand this in Sodom Sodom and Gomorrah took place <clears throat> that was God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah right. Exactly. That was God's judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And one thing, I'm about to share something with you, Diana, that I I rarely share. I rarely share revelations um, that God gives me because for whatever reason, a lot of believers don't understand what I'm saying. So, I'm going to explain this like this. Sodom and Gomorrah, when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that was his judgment for sin, for the sin and the wickedness. Now, when God sent Jesus Christ to Calvary, that was judgment for sin 
in wickedness. The, the, the Bible says that he became sin who knew no sin. He took on, if you could try to imagine this. I've tried before, I can't. On, yeah, you, yeah, you know what I'm about to say. If you can exactly. imagine taking exactly. on the sin of every single p- person that was born, potentially could be born, their entire sin at once, you can't even wrap your mind around that number. And let me let me make this announcement real quick. For those of you who are listening in and expecting to hear Jack, um, we had a mix-up in communications because um, he, he thought we were going to do interview at 6 o'clock. He called in at 6 when I uh, was doing my commentary, and I had scheduled him for 6.30, but he had just got back from Florida. So... He's coming back tomorrow. So it's good to have phenomenal friends like that who take time out of their wonderful, you know, wonderful busy schedule to, you know, to let us interview. But I have my good friend Diana online. Anyway, so now that I made that announcement, back to what I'm saying, Diana, here's the thing. God's patience is because he judge sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, if he was to punish this nation for sin, he would have to punish the entire <laughs> world because there's, been, there's some things that's been done in the Muslim nation that, that are 1,000 times worse than what's going on over here. And we got horrible things going over here. You have the uh, you have the the genital mutilation of of Muslim girls in Africa. You know, all that all that kind of stuff. But see here's the thing and this is this is the harsh reality that believers cannot come to grips with. And that is this. This nation in this world is in the condition that it's in because believers in Jesus Christ, those who profess to believe in Jesus Christ, haven't chose to do anything about the evil. We see evil as more powerful than God. Instead of walking in the power and authority in Christ Jesus, we want to call out to God, and say, God, help, God, help. And God's like, dude, I equipped you through my son, Jesus Christ, who sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be able to empower you to fulfill the task that I set before you. When he said when He said in his word, say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, believe what you say in these things shall come to pass, he wasn't just giving lip service. And that's the little secret. The reason why this country has not collapsed because there's still tens of thousands of believers who have not given up on this nation or, as, as, um, as the word says, have not bowed to the, to the um, 
sack you a veil. It's like when Elijah was praying to God, and he said, God, I am alone for the 800 prophets of Baal have killed all your prophets out. And God said to him, I have 8,000 prophets. You just don't see them. And, and so God told Elijah to, it was either Elijah or Elisha, one of the two. He told him, issue the challenge to the to the 800 prophets of Baal. And and basically Elijah went up to him and he said, uh, you know what, you call on your God and I'll call on my God and we see what happens. And so they did all their chants and their incantations and all that stuff and nothing happened. And so God specifically told um, Elijah, build an altar, dig a hole around the altar and put water in it. You know, put water all around it and stuff like that. And I'm paraphrasing the story. I I think you've probably read the story, so you know what I'm talking about. And God sent fire down from heaven, and not only did it burn up the water, (laughs) it burned up the 800 prophets of Baal. So... If we dare to be crazy enough to actually believe what God says, our power in Christ Jesus is unlimited if we're in Christ Jesus. But if we do things through our own efforts, that's where we get defeated time after time after time after time. And this is the little message that's missing from the conservative message. When you have the GOP leadership telling Christian conservatives to shut up, get on the sidelines so we can win elections, and that's what they're doing. They're cows like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off. So we need a Diana. We need a, a, a David Barton. We need a individuals like that, a Vincent E. Brown, a Shea Burton, all these people who are willing to go places that few would dare be bold enough to go. And until we reach that point, until we until we can come to that place where we understand our authority in Christ Jesus, we will continue to get knocked around by the left. And they don't have, the power they have is temporary. It's temporal, and it comes from Satan. But, you know, the Revelation, Diana, and I know I know you've read Revelation, so, you know, the Revelation says that hell is reserved for the devil and his angels. And you know, and here's something else. The Bible says he is going to be destroyed. A lot of people think that Satan is going to be down in hell sticking pitchforks in people. No. The Bible actually says he's going to be destroyed. There will be no more Satan. There will be no more demons. They won't exist no more. And that's the that's the greatest thing about it. Not only do we get to look forward to the victory, we get to play a part in it. What say you, my friend? I agree. I completely I, so, agree. I, I, I think you are 
are speaking of a measure of faith and the thing is you know a lot of people will tell you yeah I believe in God I believe in Jesus I believe he was his son sure well you know what so does Satan Satan met him Satan met him after he had fasted and prayed for 40 days. Mm -hmm. Jesus was weak as a lamb, without food, without water, in the beating down sun. He fasted and prayed. And he faced every temptation that could could ever come up in front of us and he allowed God to speak through him in scripture only. Right. And he said, it is written. That's right. And that it is, is what we are supposed to do. We do not speak for God about God unless we are speaking through God. Or maybe right. I'm, I should say God is speaking through us. Right. I mean, right. you know, we right. can speculate all we want, but if it's not scripturally backed up, I don't want any part of it. Because you know, I know the Bible's been translated so many times and a word's left out here, a word's left out there, a phrase is added here. You know, one group has another book they add to it, another group has different books in the middle between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It, it really doesn't matter if your heart is right with Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, the Son of God, then you will get the message you're supposed to get from whatever Bible you read. God will make certain of that. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with that. God always confirms what he tells us, whether it's through his words and stuff like that. Part of the issue that we have, we have people who have never had any solid foundation in the word of God trying to read the word of God without any basic, you know, without any basic understanding. So obviously when that happens, the enemy is going to be able to steer them towards, you know, places where, like, if they read something bad that happened in the Bible, like the plagues or like in the Old Testament where God was punishing wickedness and stuff like that, that's obviously going to have an impact on them because they did not know to first read the book of John, which helps lays the foundation of who Jesus Christ is and what he did. That is always the very first book that a new believer in Christ should read, the book of John, 
but everybody always wants to and start I, out. I might suggest that the chapter be 15. I, I um, just have them read the have them read the whole because thing because if you, you have to make sure that you yourself are free of Satan. Now, that doesn't mean he isn't going to harass you. It doesn't mean he isn't going to tempt you. It just means that by be, being free to love Jesus, you can resist the temptations so much better because Jesus will intercede for you. He already has. When he died on that cross with all that sin, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but he looked up and he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his back when all that sin piled on that man. He could not look at that much sin. And so that's when Jesus said, it is finished. God zapped him out of there so quick. You know, you have to now, also remember remember one thing, because, you know, God did not turn his... A lot of people think God turned his head away from from his son because of the sin. God turned his way head away because of the suffering. There is a difference, you know... Um, God God knew what was going to happen, so the sin wasn't the issue because that's what he sent Jesus there. But that, a lot of people, have, I don't understand why very few believers have ever taught that. That was a heart of compassion. God's heart was grieved so it, there's no word like there's no word that can describe the death of the pain because God was still in his son's pain. I believe that's why he turned away. And, I, and I'm taking that by faith because that's based on what God has shown me. Even when he was punishing wicked, he showed me his, um, the examples of his uh, of his grace and his mercy in a punishment, like with the ten plagues. If Pharaoh would have obeyed the first time, he would have been fine. His entire, he and his entire armies would have never been wiped out. But Pharaoh decided, hey, I'm a god myself, so who's this, who's this god of Moses? He ain't nothing. And now you, now they became part of the Red Sea. But but that's what I'm saying because excuse me, it's not about the sin. Jesus conquered sin on Calvary. It's about his heart. Remember Romans 5, 8, which says God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that he commended his love towards us. It, oh my goodness! Who thought? Who thought when we started this show tonight that it'd become a message? But hey, 
it's for somebody. So, you know, we we allow God to do what he does when he does what he do. And, you know, all I can say to that is amen. But, Lady Di, you're, you're so right in that aspect. And, and one of the things that we always should keep in mind, don't get caught up. And the tripping, like you said, don't trip over translation. There are some translations that you know you're not to use. Like, I will never right. touch the New World Translation. That's the Jehovah's Witness Bible, the Book of Mormon, which is a, which contains a whole other testament of Jesus Christ at the back of the book, written by who knows. Two books I definitely won't touch. Joseph Smith. you know. Yeah, and um, you know, like what else? Um, there, there's some, there's some version of the the NIV Bible that was translated to not offend homosexuals and feminists. I won't touch that either. They made it gender neutral, as they call it. I won't touch that translation because basically, you know. You're diminishing the power of God. The male figure represents power and authority. That's why we as believers... You just just answered another big question right there. And, And what's going on today is the breakup of the family. Oh, yeah. The family unit. Oh, yeah is in among the the most poor and poverty stricken and I'm talking right now just about America. Right. The breakup of the family unit has done more to damage this country than anything else. Right. Those bankers those Bilderbergs, those communists, those socialists, all of those people are responsible for the breakup of the family unit. When when the black man was brought to these shores and sold as property, it was his own people that sold him. Sold him to the white man. Do you know that one of the first owners of slaves was black? No, the very first owner of slaves was black. Yeah. His name was John somebody. I know that. Yeah. But see, here's here's the kicker. But but, 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 uh, they don't understand that. They don't understand that. And they're they're trying to, to, to... foment a war between the black and the white people. I mean, they want another civil war, and we're not going to give it to them. You know what, Lady Di, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying in comments and in relation to that. I, I, don't, I don't trip off of that, and the reason why I don't trip off of that because if push comes to shove, I'll just I'll just dial Psalms nine one one 
which says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and you will say of the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress and my God, and you will I trust. And after saying that, then I'll be like, Okay, Lord, send forth the ministering angels to minister and protect me on my behalf of my family and those that care about that I care about, and then I'll just sit back and watch God do what he does best. When you have that mustard seed of faith, that's all it takes, and you're willing and you are bold enough to walk in your power and authority in Christ Jesus, no mountain will stay in your way. Well, I, I, I totally and completely agree with you, but... I I think you need to realize that Christians, and I use that term a bit loosely, let me say true believers, um, because not all Christians are true true believers. Uh, They don't have a relationship with Jesus. Um, I hate to say he thinks I'm the motor mouth of the South because I just talk to him all day long. But, uh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> you know, he just, why, he's just why, there. Why would he think that? Why would he think that? Oh, I, I was trying to make a joke. Um, oh, but oh okay. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I mean, I'm constantly saying, uh, Jesus, I, I knew better than to let that thought come in. I'm sorry. I really, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have said that. I should have not done that. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Because even though I am saved by his dying on the cross and me accepting him, I still sin. And I have to stop and go, whoa, wait a minute. I got to, I got to, I got to, I mean, are you following me? I'm following you, but now you're going down the slippery slope. Let me ask you a question. Have you read, have you read the entire book of Romans? Romans? The entire Uh, book, Yeah, one time or another. Yeah, one time or another I've read it. Now, don't ask me if I've studied it. Okay. Reading and studying um, are two different things. No, I'm not going. I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question, and I already know the answer. I already know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Why are you still sinning? Because I'm human. I live in this world, even though I'm not of this world. I still have to live in this world. And I have to come in contact with a lot of different people. Okay, so you're saying because you come in contact with a lot of different people, you sin? I sin by not being truth to someone that I know is, is misbehaving. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Told you I knew where you was going. I'm going to give you a crash course in the book of Romans. 
Paul speaking. We have been set free from the law of sin and death. Jesus said in one of the Gospels, I didn't come to fulfill, do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. Paul later right. says on, later on, and either it's in Romans or Galatians, he talks about where Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. And he goes on to say how the law was fulfilled. Because people take that scripture where it says that he came to fulfill the He's not going to do away with the law to mean that we still to live by the Ten Commandments. First of all, man is ne- was ne- God knew that man would never be capable of living by the Ten Commandments. It was only man who was foolish enough to think that he could. Because I, the I agree. And Paul, I, I completely Paul talks agree, about Tom. it in the book of Romans. He says, you know, the Ten Commandments was given before the before the giving of the law, I was dead to sin. But after the law, sin was alive in me. Because what it is in human nature, you tell a human it's human nature when you not to do something, then your nature rises up to do it. That was just human nature under the law, the sin nature. But after Jesus Christ, death, burial, resurrection, Bible says that he took back the keys to death and hell. What does that mean? It means this. You may still think you sin, and you may still sin, but you do it because you choose to, not because you have to, because you're no longer, you're no longer under that sin nature. Jesus destroyed that sin nature. Why do you but what think? he destroyed was the sacrifice. He didn't no. you no longer need no. to keep no. Jewish traditional Diane. law. Diane, no. No. That's well, not that's what he said. He, that that he was said, only I come one not to destroy the law but to fulfill it. Yes. He followed and, the and, Sabbath. He followed every one of God's laws. Listen to me. Listen to me. Yes, before he was before he was crucified, he did. Yes, because he was still living under the law. After Jesus went to Calvary, that changed the whole thing. But see, here's here's what you have to understand. Because Paul said how the law was fulfilled. The law was fulfilled through love. That's what Romans and Galatians both say. I believe. That's how Jesus fulfilled the law. Because remember when the um, disciples, Jesus actually gave two new commandments to Because the disciples asked him, he said, they said, uh, God, which of these are the greatest commandments? To love the neighbor as himself, uh, oh, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, and Jesus two. said, you know, well, those, those aren't part of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill, you know, so on, thou shalt not covet, covet and all that stuff. But uh, <clears throat> but then he said, Jesus said, two new commandments I give unto you, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love, and secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. And 
through these two. Repeat that repeat that second commandment again. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Now stop a minute. <clears throat> Do you love yourself? I love myself enough because of God's love in me. No, that's not what I asked you. I love myself because of Christ in me. Period. There you go. There's no there's no and, so and there's, you know what? there's no it's, it's, deformity. There's no illness. There's no color. There's no uh, anything. You know, you're preaching, you're preaching to choir here, though. You're, you're, but you're but preaching what, to I, the what choir. I'm trying to tell you is those Ten Commandments, he did not come to take any part of those away. He came to fulfill what the prophecy and was. He, he fulfilled the, the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law through love. That's what Romans said. That's that's what it means. That I mean, it's, well, I'll go back simple. and read Romans as soon as I get my head out of Daniel. Uh, okay. Because my head's kind of book. spinning with Daniel right now. But that's um, another one of my favorite books. But let well, me say this. Let me say this because we're coming. We're coming down in a few minutes to the end, but let me say this. Romans I wonder if people book. like hearing us argue. <laughs> oh, we're not arguing. We're debating scripture. No, that was another joke, Thomas. Oh, well, you got to laugh first. I need a laugh button. Anyway. Um, yeah, you do. You have to. Letitia wants to get one. We're going to get, no, an applause button and a laugh button where people laugh. Yeah. And, I can get one of those off the internet, but no, this this is. I'm gonna tell you something, and, and I can't I can't explain it to you. If I could, if I could um, record a show to, you know, share it, I would. But this is this is what the Bible is very clear. When you Romans again, Romans is a book that I have read completely through multiple times over and over and over. And one of the things that Paul was very adamant about, that if you try to live by the law, you're subject to the curse of the law. For those who live under the law, try to live by it, you're cursing yourself. Because if you if you sin in one if you sin in one aspect of the law, you're subject to the what the law says. That's that's what it says. Because you know there was things that they cut your head off for that you that you were stoned for and stuff like that. But that's but that why Jesus law. that wasn't God's law. No. <laughs> Not yes, after you, he gave Moses you, the Ten Commandments. Oh, when he gave yeah, Moses I, the Ten Commandments. You know, they had all these rituals about washing hands and all this stuff. No, and that's not no, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what the what the punishment were for breaking the Ten Commandments. 
the the Ten Commandments. That's also in Deuteronomy because I've I read them, and right. like for like for stealing, like if I you think we're arguing the same stole, thing. We probably are, but you know it's all good. But if you like, if you stole, you got stolen to death. So in a nutshell, what I'm saying is this: this is what I'm saying. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Therefore, we lean on him. It's through him that we accomplish everything. Everybody wants to walk around full of pride thinking they can accomplish everything through their own effort. All right. They want to build You're talking things. about the generational curse. I'm talking about walls that people build up thinking that they can do it through their own efforts. And I'm talking specifically believers who do this. That, you know, well, or they think they know enough are they, about Are they believers God. or not? Well, I don't, I, I choose not to, I choose not to make that judgment. But All right, if, Thomas, if the, the question person, I'm asking you is, you know, there there is a phrase in the Bible, and I cannot tell you where it is right now. I think it's in Mark, but I'm not certain where it says many will come, few will enter. Because you cannot get there just by works or following the the law. You have got to have your heart right with Jesus. You have to have the faith that what you're doing is of God or you better not do it. Lady Di. Listen, listen to. I know, I know what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. But someone who is a new believer, is they're not going. That's like, like a woman giving birth to a full-grown baby or full-grown. Exactly. Baby. That's not. You're that's right. not going you're to happen. Right. So therefore, you have to allow the transition to grow because. This is where a lot of believers fall away when they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then they're thrown out to the wolves. They're not discipled like they're supposed to be. They're not taught like they're supposed to be taught. They are basically told what they're not supposed to do. Now you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. What about telling them what they get to do? What about showing, pointing them to the, where they're supposed to be in Christ instead of telling them the don'ts why don't you tell them what what they get to do? I'll tell you why most preachers tell them what they get to do because they themselves don't know what they get to do because they don't ever bother to read that part. It's called the good news of the gospel. Telling someone they're going to hell if they don't accept Jesus Christ is not good news. They already know that. They already know their life is jacked up. Well, I've always said God needed a better PR manager. Yeah. They are um, looking for nobody talks with. about the glories of heaven when they're they're trying to bring a soul to God. They don't talk about the joy you feel in knowing that you're not going to to the the abyss, the pit. Well, there's because, joy because there. Well, they don't understand. See, here's the thing. It comes down to relationships. And instead of trying to change themselves 
to position themselves to be acceptable to God, they have to they have to allow the change which comes through having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Bingo. Well, that's how you change. Just like just like uh there's someone, you know, there's a special individual that I like. And you know, she uh, as we talk, she the way she encourages me, it makes me it's changing me through our you know, through our friendship and everything. You know, it's changing me just like as I desire to be more and more and more. I want to be joyful. I want to learn how to be joyful because my entire life, Lady Diana, has been one where I've been tense. I never smile much. But I know what's Thomas, Thomas, do you think that there's anything that you can ask Jesus for that he won't give you? Well, I know, I know there's nothing that I can't ask him for that he won't give me. Well, I know. That's about what I'm saying. Ago, I have. I asked him for joy. And do you and know what? You got it. I have it. Okay. I have it. I am so happy. But I had a doctor tell me I needed to go see a psychiatrist. Nobody should be that happy in as much pain as I'm in. Right. And why wouldn't I take pain medication? He said, you've got to be, you you really need to go see a psychiatrist. And I just looked at him and I said, because I'm happy? Right. And I'm happy without well, drugs? You, well, it is what it you is. You think I need a head shrink? You know, but, I just, you I know what? My head. I just I, 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 that one was a new one on me. You need a psychiatrist well, you because have, you're too happy. Well, you know what? That is what it is because that's the enemy trying to steal your joy. For me, uh, I'm still he ain't learning. Stealing my joy, my joy is in Lord Jesus Christ. He, I said he's trying. For me, I'm still, I'm still learning because I process things. Being having a mind of a teacher, I have to process things, and so I have to learn things. And, you know, well, in the way that God teaches me, he surrounds me with people who are full of joy. And sometimes, you know, things are said, things are done that will um, that will call, you know, it will tug at areas and expose areas where I still need to be healed. You see what I'm saying? And so, you know, and like, uh, like in talking about my friend, she is all well, you know. She's she's happy. She laughs, and um, she she's uh, she's full of she's really full of joy. And uh, well, she you know it's it's I, I I don't have a lot of guilt because the minute I start feeling guilt, I get on my knees. Right. Because. If I'm feeling guilty about something, there's something right. I'm doing wrong. And I know it, and until I get on my knees and ask him what 
have I done? What have I said? What have I thought? What did I just let go by me and not do something about? What did I just condone? Well, you have to you know, look. You have to look at something else. You, your guilt, shame, whatever, isn't always because you did something wrong. And what what you just said to me is is telling me that you've never considered the fact that maybe you're being attacked by the enemy. Because oh, he attacked you're on me the constantly. Right so, so why, I don't, why do you? You think know that? how many times I anoint my front door and throw him out of here. It's not even about doing that. You, you actually, you know, it's like, uh, dude, you have no authority here in Jesus' name. Go, and you can say it in such a calm voice, you can start laughing at him. What you gonna do to me now? There ain't nothing you can do to me. I, I and, had to go to the emergency room with a friend. One, one night last week, mm-hmm. and I stood there with my hand on her leg, and she was in agony. Well, I just said, Lord, I know, and you know, you have a plan, and I'm not interfering with that plan, but I'm asking you for a complete healing here. Right. And I said, I'm asking you and expecting it to happen. And when I said that, her sister walked in and put her hand on her other leg and prayed silently. And the doctor walked in and he started to sit down and ask her some questions. And I said, you need to give her some pain medication now. You can answer her. You can ask her questions later. She's got to have pain medication now. And he looked at me and he said, "Uh, okay. And he walked out and he ordered the pain medication that came in and gave it to her. She began to calm down. And our sister and I continued to pray. And then the doctor came back in and he looked up at me and I, I said, She's better. And I said, I turned around. Our daughter had walked in by then. I said, all right, there's enough people in this little room. I said, I'm leaving, and I'm going home to pray. Um, And I fully expect to hear from you. And I pointed to her daughter. I said, sometime tonight when they can decide what's wrong. And I got a text later telling me that they couldn't figure out what was wrong, but that the pain was gone. And she still didn't feel real good, but she was going to a doctor. But you can't convince me that my prayer wasn't answered in that moment. Right. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have enough say but you know what I only need a little I don't have enough faith to take that authority though you have to you have to end the show we're in archives so it's it's recording but it's it's all good but um uh, 
I, I end when the Lord's done doing what he's doing and, and no time before, no time and no and no time after because obviously he had a reason for me going the direction that I did. But um so oh man, God is good. Uh, just just ask him for joy. Well, I did. And you'll and have that's it. That's why he's He's doing he's doing it for, like I said for me some things happen instantly and some things are a process and for me in getting to know you know getting to know people because you know in my own way I've always been outgoing but I've still been you know I've still been kind of closed and so and Mama calling you boy boy and so. Um, I have to, I just have to learn how to, um, I have to learn how to, uh, I just have to learn how to be more open to the joy, you know. I mean, I'm learning, I'm learning how to tell jokes and be funny and laugh. Well, remember, remember one thing, remember one thing that Jesus said. Take my yoke. It's much lighter than the one you're carrying. And I I thought for the longest time, Thomas, I kept thinking. Matthew thinking that, why why would I want your yoke? You're getting ready to be crucified. Um, Why would anybody want that yoke? And then it all of a sudden came to me that he knew when he left that cross, when he left that tomb, that he was going straight to his father. So his yoke was light. And he was telling me, give me what's bothering you. And you take what I'm wearing. And it took me forever to get that through my head. Give me what you're worried about. And so I try. I try. Uh, I don't always get it done. But um, I do try. Thomas, my phone is dying. I love you. Are you there? Uh, yeah, I love you too, my sister. And you be blessed. And tune in tomorrow because I will be interviewing Jack. So. Okay. Jack? Uh, Jack Cashel, my guest today. Okay. So. All right, uh, ma'am. Yeah, you have a good night. I, I will. Um, got a couple of errands to run. What time What time are you interviewing? It's PM Central. Well, 4 p.m. Central. Central. No, 6 p.m. Central. 6 p.m. Central. Okay. Yep. I'm going to make right, a love. All right. God love bless you. you. Great conversation. Love you too, my sister. Keep fighting the size of faith, and I will see you tomorrow. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. You have been... You have been listening to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed you on Blog Talk Radio. Tune in tomorrow for our interview.
with Jack Cashel, who we had a mix-up on communication today. So we'll see you tomorrow night.